Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I have the vapors over our new sponsor that you'll learn more about later. But we just couldn't wait to let you know that you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting (laughs) casper.com forward slash gals and using promo code gals at checkout. Oh, my word. (laughs) How to do. Top of the muffin to you. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. And Yo. not to be confused with Canadian. Which is but they very are similar. Eerily similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And also fake mm-hmm. British Southern Plantation owner accents. Also. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 All <laughs> executed. Perfectly. Flawlessly. Um, <laughs> this is a very special episode because it is our 50th episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We're golden girls now. Yeah, we are. In the podcast world. But, like, who are we? Oh, right. I'm Kenyon. <laughs> I'm Blanche. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lucy. <laughs> In every quiz we've ever taken, we've all gotten blanched. I know. We don't have a very so good I'm spread. I'm the Mary. No, I'm the Mary. <laughs> You're the Rhoda. Uh, and I'm not a Vivitch. Okay, so, mm-hmm. again, 50th episode, and the topic yep. is equally special, because the mm-hmm. topic this week is crimes solved by psychics. Ooh, I've been waiting for this one. For Reaching wow. into the beyond. <laughs> it's going to be pretty great. I loved this. Um, mm-hmm. Before we launch into our wine crime pairing, uh, we have one thing to butt plug. Butt plug. We mm. will be at CrimeCon in Nashville. <laughs> On May Nashty 4th. Nashville. 5th. So excited. And 6th. It's going to be yep. awesome. Um, yep. We don't have our promo code as of taping this episode, but as soon yep. as CrimeCon gives it to us, we will share it literally everywhere because... We've been emailing them, like, daily. They hate so us. So it should be coming soon. They fucking hate me. I email constantly. We CrimeCon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I emailed on, like, Christmas Eve and was like, hey... Do we have a promo code yet? Like a crazy person. Next week on Wine and Crime, Kenyon gets us kicked out of com- Crime Con. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We tried. but No, we're contractually obligated to be there, so we will be there. We will be there, and it will be in Nashville, and it will be amazing. And just hang tight for that promo code, because if you buy your tickets and use it, it really, really helps out the show, so... Mm-hmm. And we're working on potentially rewarding those who use our promo code. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. So we're also tuned. working on a like a little meetup for, uh, for our listeners who go to CrimeCon. So yep. 
So it'll be fun. It'll be worth it. It's also Kenyon's pseudo bachelorette party. So yes, it we're is. gonna be real drunk the we're whole time. We're gonna be crazy. <laughs> Our blowouts are going to be insane, you guys. We are going to be looking exactly <laughs> like Nancy Grace. Yeah. There will be four I Nancy Graces at CrimeCon. I want us to perfectly match Nancy Grace every day of CrimeCon. And when you walk up to 75% of them, they will be raging drunk and so excited yep. to talk to you. Um, I will be, be wearing a silky blouse all three days and pointing at you with my pen with mm-hmm. a very intense glare. And chunky mm-hmm. pearls. You'll know it's me. I was going to say chunky so pearls. many chunky layered necklaces <laughs> and mm-hmm. 18 bumpets in our hair. <laughs> Just tears and tears of bouffant. <laughs> so much hairspray. Literally Just choking mm-hmm. on the hairspray. Conspiracy theories. Nobody spewing. light up near us. Okay. <laughs> we just go up in flames. <laughs> so that is our butt plug for CrimeCon. Uh, definitely use the promo please code come. once we have it. Please, please come. It's going to be so much fun. Okay. Moving on. Amanda, what is our wine yeah. a crime pairing for crime solved by yeah, psychics? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this week we are drinking the Diviner Sauvignon Blanc from Wink Wine Club. Woo-hoo! We nice. talk about Wink Wine Club all the time because it is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It is an online wine club. Done. <laughs> Done. What more could God. you possibly want? <laughs> what Staying more could you possibly want? I mean, I and d- why? need I go further, but um, <laughs> basically, if you head to trywink.com forward slash gals, that's T R Y W I N C dot com forward slash G A L S. Uh, you get a promo code for 20 bucks off your first order. They have you take like a little flavor quiz so they can make suggestions about what uh, your palate prefers. You don't have to go with those selections. You can um, just pick from any of their hundreds of bottles that do change pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. So you're not pigeonholed into like one thing. These bottles are unique to Wink. So if you find wines that you like, you can't get them anywhere else, um, which makes them extra special. And then it gets delivered to your friggin' house. Mm-hmm. So be like us, never leave your home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> just be a fat, happy hermit mm-hmm. like me. And the yep. wines are also um, really affordable, especially using our promo code GALS. Yes. Mm-hmm. Their wines typically fall in, like, that $13 a bottle range. Um, your first box, you get four or five wines for, like, 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. It's crazy with that promo code. And if you try it and you hate it, you can always cancel it, but I don't know why you would because wine that just appears every month is an is actual magic. Mm-hmm. So, amazing. <laughs> like um, Bluetooth. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> I know that we literally did a Sauve Blanc last week, but obviously we had to choose this wine for its amazing name and its gorgeous label. So if you are in possession of the Diviner Sauve Blanc, just like gaze at it mm-hmm. in awe because it's one of the most beautiful labels I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, this wine is sourced from two well-renowned vineyards in the Santa Ynez Valley, and this Sauv Blanc was fermented in stainless steel and lees stirred once a month for texture. We'll talk about what that means. Um, this kicks the fallen sediment from cashed-out yeast, which is what lees are, back up into the juice during fermentation. So, mm. let's talk a little bit more about lees. Again, that's L-E-E-S. 
Um, as the yeast cells start to break down during the process of fermentation, that's when, you know, all that sugar is being, like, eaten and turned into alcohol. Um, they release tiny amounts of sugar and amino acids, and the presence of these compounds is uh, sensed on our tongues and palates as, uh, like, textural components and also a little bit of... Um, like mouthfeel and some residual flavors, but it mostly affects how the wine is going to feel in your mouth. Hmm. So white and sparkling wines that are aged on lees are often described as like creamier, richer, fuller bodied. So I'd imagine if you're drinking like a really buttery, creamy Chardonnay, Hmm. they probably do lees stirring that like kicks that cash out yeast back up occasionally into the product while it's fermenting to just like thicken it and give it some of that like creamy mouthfeel. This Mm. honestly sounds a little bit like kombucha. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, kombucha is a fermented, it's a fermented tea. So it follows a lot of the same, um, like scientific steps Mm -hmm. as fermenting wine or beer or, you know, whatever. Um, but I thought that was kind of cool, and it just gives, like, a fuller body and greater depth and complexity of flavor when you do that lees stirring. So I think especially wines like Sauv Blancs that can tend to be, like, very acidic and very dry, I could see how they would benefit from this procedure because it just kind of, mm. you know, gives a little depth to the flavor of it, and it's not like a giant acid bomb by the time it's done. Okay. Which is kind of cool. cool. Um, This particular bottle is a little more on the crisp and lean side, even with that Lee's stirring. They're probably just not doing it as often so that it's like it's not a Sauv Blanc that tastes like a Chardonnay, which makes sense. Um, It has a lighter body, a lot of notes of minerality, and it clocks in at 12.1%, which is not crazy high, but for a Sauv Blanc that's like pretty on the nose, you're not really going to see Sauv Blancs that are over 13%. Mm -hmm. Most whites are going to be in that, like, 11 to 12% range, you're going to see more boozy reds mm-hmm. than white wines. Mm-hmm. Although um, I do love but me yeah. a Sauv Blanc. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. It's such a great food wine, too, because mm-hmm. it just, that dryness and that, like, tartness on your palate, it makes you salivate and just opens up your taste buds. Mm-hmm. So if you take, like, a little sip of Sauv Blanc before you eat a bite of something, like, really delicious, really anything, but spicy food is so great with Sauv Blanc because mm. the acidity balances that out really well. Buttery food, fish, mm. is so great with Sauv Blanc. Um, I'm I'm never the kind of person who's like, oh, you can't have white wine with steak. Like, fuck it. Do you like white wine? Do you like steak? Then it's a good pairing. Yeah. Um, but I could see a good like dry Sauv Blanc going well with a nice cut of red meat just because mm. any, you know, kind of the general rule of pairing is you go either similar or opposite. Mm-hmm. So with fatty foods, you either want to do like a nice, rich, robust, like buttery wine, or you want to do something completely opposite that's going to cut your palate and cleanse it between each bite. So something high in acidity is going to pair really well with fatty food, like a like a ribeye. I think Sauv you know? Blanc, uh, at least I find, it goes really well with long pig. Oh, mm, uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely beautiful pairing. I find it goes well literally anything. Yep. <laughs> Snickers, toast. A Snickers. Doritos I find under my couch. Yeah. <laughs> Gum. God bless. Cool, All right, well. Cool ranch, namely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are popping this open Woo! this week with one of our signature Nights Pop Wine and Crime wine keys, uh, yeah. which you can find on our website store, Wine and Crime Podcast dot bigcartel.com. They're super cool. And these wine keys are seriously 
I, I like, we order them without 100% knowing what they would feel like in your hand. And as someone who's worked in the restaurant industry opening wine bottles for over 10 years, this is a really fucking good wine key for mm-hmm. the price. Like, it's crazy nice. That's it's really heft. sturdy. Yeah, it works really, really well. And I've definitely been seeing um, some folks in the happy hour group asking about, like, what wine key works and I hate my wine key and blah, blah, blah. Other than a shameless plug to get you to buy some of our merch, this wine key is actually really great, yeah. and I am planning on bringing it back to my bartending gig that I start up again this Friday night. Yay! I love it. Yeah, so we we care gonna... we care about the quality of merch that we send out to you guys, mm-hmm. and so far people seem to really love it. So, mm-hmm. honest to God, true. That's been good. And oh, if you have beef with anything, let us know because yeah. we want to know if we, we have to know. source it somewhere else because mm-hmm. we want our stuff to be. Top notch. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to pop this bad boy open. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Ooh! Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> nice pop. <laughs> you can also get a nice pop travel mug with a handy phonetic guide for how to pronounce you nice sure pop. can. I'm looking at mine right now. Yeah. Uh, I got an Instagram direct message video from one of our followers the other mm-hmm. day. She lives in, like, the U.K. somewhere, and it's her and some guy popping a bottle saying, Oh, nice pop. I, I love, love when people send us those. those. Videos. Especially yeah. those of you with accents. Yeah. Yes. Like, Please try to imitate the US us. Accents. Oh I'm my trying God, to remember who favorite. it was. I think it was someone who lives in Australia who tweeted one of those mm-hmm. videos, and it was so <laughs> fucking cute, the, like, Australian Minnesota nice pop accent. They're my favorite. It cracked my ass up. Yeah. Yeah. We need, yeah. I think we need to save those and do a compilation. <gasps> oh, I agree. Let's idea. do it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to go about that, but we're going to do that. Okay. I don't Lucy, either. take that on. Ready. Laugh. What? Cheers. Cheers. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Uh, La, what is our background in psych? Actually, no, we've got a special background in psych segment for Crime Solved by yes. Psychics. Why don't you introduce it? So, I have mentioned before several times in previous episodes that I personally use a psychic, and I mm-hmm. love him, mm-hmm. and he has a very good track record. Mm-hmm. His name is Charles Tiemann. Uh, he is based out of Des Moines, but he does phone readings all over the world. He attends psychic oh. conventions. I've had readings from him, I think, five times now. It's just, he's so interesting, and he's so cool, and he has the coolest background. So I invited him over to my home <laughs> to, A, tell me if my house is haunted. It is. <laughs> it isn't anymore. Oh, God. Because oh, he saged the Ever shit out of it. Ever since you moved the locks. No, he, he said he doesn't the locks know. To the basement. He, he said he doesn't know why the little old lady went away, but she's not here anymore. And then during our reading, he looked at me and he said, "There's a lot of fear coming from the basement." Oh, I oh don't my like god! That. <laughs> oh, I don't like Her that. Her basement that has like a row of four locks on the outside of the door, so you can lock something down in well, it. That's what he said. He thinks that like a father punished his children maybe by locking them in the basement or they fucked with each other by locking each other in the basement but yeah that i pried right. those locks off as soon as we moved in because it was super creepy i was you locked in girl. the garage by the son of my mom's roommate before we moved to sam minnetonka yeah what an Ooh. ass it was not good um my sister used to lock me in the basement but that's because she's just a horrible monster <laughs> love you you would like 
vodka in the basement. Though. Yeah, you had a great and basement. And it was like carpeted th- and This well was lit. not in our Minnesota house. This is in our Connecticut house, and it had like a little latch lock. Oh, that's on the ba- on the outside of the basement door, and I have vivid childhood memories of my sister being able to reach that lock and me not being able to reach that lock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Love you. Uh, I was the oldest, so I probably inflicted that on my sister. Yeah, mm-hmm. we tortured your sister. It was fine. Oh, mm. for sure. Um, especially Amanda. So, moving I on. I did not. <laughs> Mostly me. It was mostly Kenyon. But for some reason, she holds a grudge against Amanda exclusively. I love that. Funny. I feel like I was grandfathered in. She was too young to remember. Yeah, classic Kenyon getting away with things. (laughs) Okay. So I invited Charles over to tell me if my house was haunted and also to interview him about what he does as a psychic. Um, Mm Mm-hmm how he does it, what it feels like, and then also a little bit about him working with law enforcement. So uh, we have a little bit of the interview. Uh, This is an abbreviated version. We will have the full version of the interview with him, which is so interesting, uh, available for our Patreon donors. Mm-hmm. So that you'll be getting that link by the time this episode airs. And I that's mm-hmm. avail- highly encourage you to check it out. That's available to Patreon donors at all levels. So even if, you know, the most you can give is $1 a month, you have full mm-hmm. access to all of our Patreon content because we we understand that everyone has financial constraints and, and not everyone can afford to give at the higher levels. But we want to make sure that that content is available for Everyone who's donating, so. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. have made resolutions for 2018 as what the Whiny Crime Gals to provide more zany and fun mm-hmm. Patreon-only <laughs> content. So if you have been on the fence about joining Patreon, honestly, the time is now because mm-hmm. we're going to be coming up with some weird and really fun shit mm-hmm. to share with only our Patreon donors. So uh-huh. keep an eye on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so here's the interview with Charles Seaman. Hey, I'm here with Charles Tiemann, and he is a psychic. Yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, just going to ask you a few questions about what you do, how you got started, and just okay. I think your field is so fascinating, so I just kind of want to hear okay. what, you, what you've got to say about it. Okay. It's nice to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so where, what, uh, what is your title? What do you call yourself? I call myself an intuitive consultant, but basically I'm a psychic. Okay. That's just another name for it. And how did you get involved? Like, what, what is it that you do? When I was nine, a friend of mine's mother told me when I was talking to her, I was giving her a reading. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. And then she started having me talk to her friends, and it started from there. Then I started studying And there's been times in my life I tried to get away from this. I went to college. I got a degree in theology. I got a master's degree in psychology. And I keep being drawn back to this. So I've been doing readings for close to 40 years now. So what is it, on your end, what is it that you experience that gives you this skill? When I'm doing a reading, I basically just start seeing images. And sometimes I hear voices that are people's guides. Other times I can hear people if they crossed over. Sometimes they communicate with me. Other than that, it's just a knowing. I start talking and stuff comes out of my mouth. Wow, that's cool. And I just have a knowing. And I sort of feel like I'm in a void when I'm doing readings. And then I use Tarot, and they just Tarot just helps me give us give me a focus point when I'm doing a reading on somebody. So it's not the cards themselves that are giving you these answers; it's just a way to channel. If you your... learn basic general Tarot, 
um, it would just be really general. There is a the tarot itself is not really a vehicle for a reading. It's a meditation tool used in the Kabbalah. Oh, okay. And it's very detailed and very um, oriented, which I do study it as a meditation tool. But um, basically, I just use it as a focus point. Because, like I said, if you just use the general information on a tarot card, it would be so vague it would fit anyone. Mm-hmm. So uh, how do you feel about like what you do for people? What's the most rewarding or maybe challenging part about? Um, a lot of what people come to me for is almost like a counseling session. And I can help see people transform their lives. It's not just telling somebody that next week they're going to get a new car or something or predicting stuff. It's about helping people find balance within their own self. And then they can create their own future. Okay. And there's a lot of talking to people on the other side too. Is that a big part and of it? Helping messages people from cope? the other side. Yes. Yeah. And helping loved ones connect to the people so they can say their farewells. Mm-hmm. I'm just basically a walkie talkie. It's not me doing this. I'm just telling people what I'm seeing. And so seeing how that can transform people is why I do this because no amount of money and no job in the world can give you that. Mm-hmm. What's one of the most challenging parts of your job? Um, knowing how to help somebody that doesn't want help because I can see stuff for people that you're just not ready to see and I just can't tell them mm-hmm. or seeing, telling something to somebody that they just don't want to hear or they don't want to comprehend. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I see stuff that's not necessarily negative. It's just not stuff they want to hear and that can be difficult. But I also feel that I was, I'm seeing it for a reason, so I have to tell the person what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And so, then I can help them try to cope with it and look at ways of dealing with it. So if you were doing a reading for someone and you saw something just horrific in their future, you would explain that to them? If I see something horrific, 90% of the time it's because you can avoid it. So then we look at apps, avenues of avoiding it. Or sometimes if I see stuff like death, which I don't see that often... Mainly because most people don't choose. We all, on a soul level, can choose our own time of crossing. The thing that does happen once you cross over is you get more knowledge of your past lives. But if you were a real ass in this lifetime, you're still going to be an ass in the next lifetime. That You don't just go from that to a saint. I mean, it's possible, but it's rare. Well, that's unfortunate to hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Tell us a little bit about the work that you've done with the with law enforcement. Or um... I've worked helping find missing people. Um, I did help a case quite a few years ago, finding a police officer, somebody who murdered a police officer. Um, and I've done a lot of different cases. Yeah. Is that um, one of the most difficult things that you do, just because it's very maybe violent and um, just hard to do? It's hard because... Depending on how you're doing the reading, sometimes when I'm doing a reading, I can become the victim and I can see what the victim experienced. And that's very traumatic to some degree. Um, Other times I'm seeing it from the eyes of the killer. And what's difficult about that is you sort of understand where they're coming from. And that's creepy because you're in somebody who's not stable's mind. Mm -hmm. And that feels, you know, but you just have to keep reminding yourself that you're not that individual. Yeah, is it hard? Is it uh, hard to 
pull yourself out of that once you know that vision is over is it is um, it hard it to used separate? to be it's not now because i do readings all the time so i you learn how to disassociate it was a lot more difficult when i was younger what do you say to people or are there many people out there that just think you're full of it and doubt your they're abilities and, that. I, yeah. it's not my job to make anybody believe in anything and they're entitled to believe that in this or not everybody's at their own level of growth and if people are ready for this kind of knowledge then they can have it if they're not ready then there's a lot of other ways to get information and knowledge in this world mm-hmm. so everybody's where they need to be it's not my job to try to make anybody believe in anything so you've never had any like difficult confrontations? Oh, I've had quite a few. Yeah. But and when I was younger, I would try to, but it's just I'm at a point now where it's not worth fighting for. If somebody doesn't want to believe in this, that's their option. Mm-hmm. I'm not somebody that cares if you believe in this. For me and my clients, it brings them a lot of comfort and it brings them a lot of information. If they people choose not to take a part of that, I can't, you know. People don't believe in God, and yet I know God exists in my heart, but people don't, you know, that's what people's choices are, and you can't change somebody from their choices. Mm-hmm. And that's what growth is about. We all are here to grow and evolve, and eventually that's still where evolve and grow to a place where they can understand stuff. Um, so obviously your skill set is not average, but do you still have moments or readings or... Uh, experiences where you're like, oh, whoa, like that was super weird or something. Yeah, I mean, I every time I think I've heard everything, is something comes in that shocks me. And it's not, it's more of if I'm doing a reading and I'm feeling something that finds somebody with a lot of just thoughts that are okay. I mean, sometimes people have sexual deviance, and then when I'm doing a reading, I feel what they're feeling and understand from their perspective, and that can be creepy. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, it's just somebody's extremely religious or very spiritual, and you almost feel like you're in the presence of a saint or something, and that's a little unusual. Um, but it's just... One thing I've learned from talking to people from different being an empath is that everybody's unique and everybody has their own unique marker. So everybody brings a uniqueness to others, to this world. Some people are more obviously more unique than others. And when you experience that or somebody that's more outlandish, it's just, or somebody that's against, like there's certain things that it's not in my nature. When I feel them, it just feels totally opposition. It's not painful it just my brain gets confused mm-hmm. but you none of that like sticks with you you wouldn't be no, like as soon oh, as maybe i get I'm done doing a the reading deviant. that's no because <laughs> as soon as they leave all those feelings leave and all the emotions leave mm-hmm. and i do 10 to 15 readings a day so i almost become like 10 or 15 different people a day so as soon as the next person comes in i'm feeling their feelings do you ever feel like you're losing touch with who you are because you're you're in so many different minds and emotions? Not since I learned how to ground. What is difficult is it's like when I go in a crowd, I feel like 10,000 people in my head, so I just avoid really large crowds. Um, I don't go to concerts. I don't go to shopping malls, especially around the holidays. Um, I can block it for a short period of time, but when people are really excited, their energy explodes. And when you have a thousand people in a small place and you're an empath, there's only so much blocking you can do before you feel all that. 
So you did not go Black Friday shopping? I do not go Black Friday <laughs> shopping. I, I don't go Christmas shopping except going online. Yeah. But usually most of my Christmas shopping is done by October, so I don't have to deal with the crowds. That's good. <laughs> well, thank you very much for talking to us today. Mm-hmm. And um, you have a website. Can you tell us a little bit about your business if anyone's interested in reaching out to you? I do psychic readings um, and psychic counseling. I can help people communicate with the dead. I also am a pranic healer where I help people balance out their energies. Um, my, my website is psychic-light.com. And they can give me, look me up and give me a call there. And I can tell you listeners from experience that Charles is very talented and I highly recommend his services. Thank you very much. So thank you very much for talking to us today, Charles. Thank you. Bye-bye. And obviously going to a psychic is not for everybody. That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. not what I did after my dad passed away, but through friends and family who have gone to psychics, there have been some like affirmations and connections to my dad that have been like really profound for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, again, whether or not you believe in it, I still change my mind all the time about whether or not I believe that it's real. But some of that stuff is just like so on the nose. It's just creepy. I, Mm -hmm. even though I'm an atheist and I think I've talked about this on the show before, I believe that there are things about the universe and energy that we don't understand yet yeah. and may never understand in in terms of science just because mm-hmm. science is so rooted in what can be observed mm-hmm. um but i think that there's stuff out there that we don't understand and i think that there are people that have higher levels of intuition or or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and i don't think I don't think that that necessarily conflicts with my non-spiritual beliefs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because I... There's, there's got to be things that we don't understand. I mean, I don't... I don't think it would be right to the think ocean so is a thing we our, don't yeah, understand. Yeah, right. there are parts of the like, o- there's like a, we were just watching some David Attenborough thing last night. That we Planet Earth like, too? Yeah, probably. We, <laughs> <laughs> is it on Netflix? Then yes. But um, yeah. we've yeah. only explored like one percent of the ocean floor. Yeah, like it's probably ghosts down there. Yeah, right. To, th- to think that we all the ghosts go. To think that we as humans understand everything based on what we've observed and what we understand in our small minds is... Yeah, that's a very obtuse way of thinking. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I love thinking that there are things that we just don't fucking know and we Uh will be surprised and... Yeah. You know, what's what's wrong with not knowing? Right. Yeah. That being said, there are... Or at least not understanding. There are a lot of charlatans out there. Like, oh, I don't yeah. believe every psychic, you know? I'm still highly skeptical of most. Uh, there's money say. to be made. There's fraud happening. Yeah, for sure. So crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Charles, um, if you want to get in touch with him, you can check out his website at psychic-light.com. Mm. Um, his name, again, is Charles Teeman. Not Seaman. Seaman. Okay. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Someone misheard me. It was all uh, of us in the world. <laughs> Teeman is spelled T-I-E-M-A-N. M-A-N-N? And semen is spelled S-E-M-E-N. It's T-I-E-M-A-N-N. 
And again, that's psychic-light.com. So he does phone readings. He's fucking awesome. Check him out. Cool. And thank you, Charles, for thank being you. on the show. You are a delight. And thank I'll be you, in Charles. touch soon. Yeah, you're going to give us <laughs> yeah, readings we when we will. go to Des Moines. We're going to be so excited. Yep, 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 yep. All right. Okay, so on top of that, I do have a little bit of background for us to understand a little bit more about psychics and how they work with the police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so psychics, clairvoyants, mystics, spiritual advisors, all of these describe people with paranormic psychic abilities. Mm. So the people uh, who can help police are gifted in areas of post-cognition, which is seeing the past, Okay. Um, psych- psychometry, which is gaining information from inanimate objects. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, because that comes up in my notes, but I didn't bother to Google it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Psychometry. Mm-hmm. Uh, telepathy, dowsing or divining, which is related to the wine for this week. Yeah. Um, and Harry which Potter. Technically yeah. is finding <laughs> water or minerals underground or sometimes graves underground mm. but it's when you hold those two metal rods, the rods and like when they cross rods. when they yeah. cross there's like water under you or something but a lot of uh psychics or people with paranormal uh, abilities can use it for different purposes other than just fucking finding water because not super useful in 2018 not, yeah not anymore anyway <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also remote viewing, which is something that Charles talked about a little bit, too. So, like, they can see what somebody else saw. Or mm-hmm. That's cool. they can see, like, a whole scene of, you know, something happening. Patricia Arquette from the acclaimed television show Medium. Oh, my God. <laughs> had many of these talents. <laughs> I'm you sure guys. She did. Watch that show. Like... <laughs> Immediately. That actually sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more uh, into Long Island medium. Uh, mm. I love her. Yeah, she's pretty great. And please My don't email us with how she's been debunked. I don't care. I just love her. She's entertaining. Entertainment yeah. she's an value entertaining, people. Yeah. Like total lying sack of garbage. And also, <laughs> who is that beautiful boy who's like the celebrity psychic? Oh, I He's don't like know. He's like this sweet blonde boy who oh, does psychic readings for like celebs on like the E channel or something. In Minnesota, oh. we have psychic Gary Spivey who's like on KDWB's morning show like every month and he's so crazy and he does so many shows at like Mystic Lake Casino. It's so funny. Oh. I want to go to one so bad. Okay. Oh my nice. God. There's no way he's real, but he could be funny to watch. Oh yeah. He's very um, charming. Okay, so this field is generally viewed with great skepticism. Uh-huh. Go figure. Since these talents are considered pseudoscience and haven't ever been proven by a high-level peer review. So, like we were talking a little bit before about, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't really stack up against hard science a lot of the times, but... Mm-hmm. But there's you know, something there, in my opinion. There's in something there. In my humble there. opinion. And also, we don't know what molecules do, so... <laughs> it's all crazy. Or the ocean. Some of us. <laughs> None or, of us in this chat. Let's start making a list. Let's start making a There's no list. way to know. We'll never know. Of things we'll that we'll never, never know. know. 
math, the ocean, molecules. Psychics. I don't think there's enough paper in the world for that list. To make that list for us. Oh, my God. Uh, Accurate. Okay, so police departments will usually not seek out psychics. At least they won't admit that they do. But some departments will accept information provided by psychics and just treat it as a tip. Uh So, you know, they just have to investigate their leads. Um, According to a survey in 1993 of police departments in the 50 largest cities in the U.S., about one-third of them said that they have accepted predictions from psychics in the past, mm. but only seven of those departments treated the psychics' information differently from any other source. Hmm. Okay. So okay. it is possible that they either put it at the top of their list of tips to investigate or, or possibly the at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, and a lot of times this information is used to corroborate other tips. Yep. So, like, if one person came forward and says, you know, oh, he's buried in a vegetable garden in Clive, mm-hmm. and the psychic says the same thing, then maybe they're like, okay, we should probably go check this out. Okay. Um, and uh, they have to be, the cops have to be really wary about accepting information that wouldn't be admissible in a court. Mm. So, if, if they had to come forward and say, we got this tip from a psychic, then it's possible that the jury would be like, um, fuck all of this, like, yeah. run all this out. This is ridiculous. Um, so, that said, according to a memo that I unearthed via Google, <laughs> the, CIA, the psychic abilities of Google. Well, it was like a weird CIA memo scan, and it said, like, release to the public at the top. I thought I was really excited about it. So, cool. At one time, it was an internal memo at the CIA. Love Fucking it. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy over here. <laughs> Tinker Taylor Google Spy. It was the fourth hit on my Google search. You didn't even have to go to the next page to find it. Yeah. Go to the next page. Okay, then that does not count as unearthing. You just lost all your cred. No. Yeah, you're done. Oh you didn't God. find it. I didn't we look. were looking for it. The CIA has admitted that law enforcement does occasionally employ psychics. So the memo reports that they contacted 11 agencies for this survey... Mm-hmm. Agencies that have found, quote, some success with psychics in the past. Right. So of those, there are 11 agencies. Relating to specific cases that these psychics helped with, eight of these 11 officers that they spoke to said that the psychic provided them with information that had not been included in a public media report. Oh, that's, okay, that's, that's cool. Good. That's so good. eight of 11 psychics knew something that the general public did not. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. That's like... That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, and in in three of those eight cases, bodies were located in areas described by the psychics. I have a couple of those in my case. It's like, the details, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's all over the map, though, you guys. Like, sometimes what the psychics get is super fucking vague. Mm -hmm. Or it's about some aspect that is not relevant or not useful to Mm -hmm. the police or to finding them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, or the person's and, already dead, and then it's just like, well, fuck. Right. I mean, obviously, I still th- want to solve the case, but in my case, it's a lot. The guy pretty much doesn't prevent any crimes. <laughs> he just, oh, no. No yeah. crimes are prevented in my story either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> None. 
Well, that's kind of why, like, when we talked about post-cognition, mm-hmm. um, which is seeing the past, like, police yeah. are not interested in pre-cognition. Well, no, a if a fucking would... psychic, bo- you know, barreled into a police station being like, this is about to happen, they'd probably be like, you're fucking crazy, get out. Exactly. I, meant, I meant more like if somebody was kidnapped and then it's like you've right. got 12 hours to da-da-da. It's like, a lot of the times it's like, this is where the body is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in that case, too, so many wires would be crossing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think, I, I mean, whatever. I don't know. But that seems more unlikely than, than a psychic saying, this person is dead and they yeah. are underground and they are near yeah. a forest or something They're like that. They're under the ground. <laughs> They're six feet Let- under. Let me get That's my divining rods. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so in three of the cases, bodies were located in the areas described by the psychics. Two officers said that the information given was too vague to be useful, and one said that it was not useful at all. So that Hmm. accounts to the three that didn't, the three of the 11 departments that, like, it Mm -hmm. didn't really work out for them. Okay. Um, In the 1970s, there was an actual committee formed called the Committee for Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal. That is too long a name <laughs> for a committee. Because now they shortened it to the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. Okay, well, that's that much better. Does that fit better for you? Yep, yep. yep. That's yep. better. That's a not, lot better. Not Thank great. you for asking. Better. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've heard better, but that is better. So their mission statement is that they seek to, quote, promote scientific inquiry, critical investigation, and the use of reason in examining controversial and extraordinary claims. This was put together because of the perceived acceptance by society and the media of paranormal activity. This was in the 1970s. um, And what they called a tide of irrationalism. Mm. So it's a bunch of scientists kind of hitting back, being like... Being like, why is everyone believing psychics? Like, mm-hmm. can we ple- can we have some kind of committee to to kind of evaluate how legitimate this is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, they're just doing what scientists do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so these guys wanted to make sure that there was hard science to keep these claims in check. Some things that these committee that this committee investigates. Oh my god, I want to join this committee immediately because <laughs> it's still it's still. I mean, they're around. It's a thing. They have their own magazine. So they investigate yogic flying. Okay. What? Skeptical of that. Is that just like aerialists with really good bodies that I'm jealous of? (laughs) No. Do you guys... Did you guys go to the the Ekinkar Temple in Chanhassen? Yeah. I've never been. Okay, I've been there several times. I've only been in the (laughs) lobby, but I went with you and we had to wear little foot, foot doilies. I got a tour of the whole fucking place, and we went into this uh, big room with, like, a big blue skylight where you go to meditate, and basically they claim that you can sit cross-legged on the floor, and you can, like, jump, like, people jump up in the air while sitting cross-legged, and they can, like, fly. It's like a supernatural thing. So it's not... That's crazy. It's not metaphorical. It's not... Transcendental meditation. It's they mm-hmm. mean it literally. No, I mean I'm saying it literally, but they mean it as like a transcendental thing. But you are in the air. Okay. Like 
I don't think no matter how strong a person was, you couldn't really jump up from a cross-legged position mm. with your legs to You'd the be surprised. Ex- to the extent that they were claiming. Okay. I mean, they were claiming that you get like several feet, like feet off the ground. So that's what they're talking about yogic flying, and that's not just at Ekinkar. I've heard it in other like religions. Okay. Um, yogic flying. They also investigate astrology, voodoo, alternative medicine, UFOs, the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, they have. I want to have an entire episode on the Bermuda Triangle yeah. so bad. They have like a watchdog about uh, intelligent design being taught in schools. So they're, like, trying to kind of crack down on that as well. They have Mm -hmm. a a lot Um, on their plate. Yeah, they're taking on a lot. They sound like a Christian mom's group. (laughs) Plus plus near-death experiences. (laughs) And, of course, psychics. Yeah. Well, it's really just a a network of, of... Scientists and researchers. I question your commitment to sparkle motion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) When it comes to psychic investigators, the committee has claimed that psychics rely on retrofitting information to come up with theories that batch evidence that the cops already have. Mm -hmm. Very possible. Mm -hmm. They also say that the psychics employ what's called cold reading, which is fishing for information while making it look like it's coming to them paranormally. Mm-hmm. Like, I see a man and his name starts with an M. Yeah. Or maybe an N or maybe an R. And, and then, then you're like, yeah, it's jump. Richard. Yes, it's yeah. Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, um, that's what that committee is, which I still think is really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, The FBI has never officially credited any psychic detective for solving or preventing a crime or finding a victim alive or dead. Police will typically advise... They've never credited them for it? Not, never officially, no. Wow. Because I think that would impact the credibility of the FBI. Oh, it would. There's no way they would ever, yeah, actually admit. But I feel like at Um, some point, if the FBI is reaching out and paying people, then... They must think that there's something to it sometimes. I don't know about the FBI, but possibly slash probably the CIA. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. But again, it's not it's not on paper. And even yeah. the few um, like projects that we've all heard rumors about about them employing psychics, like that's all kind of under the table. It's yep. not really. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even if they have to admit that it was going on, they wouldn't have to say whether or not it was successful or had any real impact. So mm-hmm. no one's been officially credited. Mm-hmm. Um, and then police will typically advise parents of missing children not to engage with psychics because it could potentially give them false hope or misleading information, which paired with high emotions could complicate an investigation. I can mm-hmm. understand that. I mean, I think if I were a parent of a missing child, I would say fuck it and still do it. And, I'd yeah. go straight to and, a psychic. And probably be manipulated I, I, in the process, but mm-hmm. I I understand the law enforcement perspective there completely of, like, I know, ma'am, that this person told you that she's in a chicken coop, but... Yeah. Yeah. The evidence <laughs> no does reason not to suggest that. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that CIA memo reported that many families of missing children will contact a psychic for 
I mean, because many families probably react like we do. It's like right. I'm going straight to a psychic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just grasping at straws. You'll take anything <clears throat> at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But in the end, if nothing else, and kind of like we noted before about our friend, um, psychics can help those with anxiety by giving them hope and some kind of perceived path or direction to take, even if the psychic is full of shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. any kind of answer is better than no answer when it comes to certain things, especially for people with anxiety issues. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, my my dad passed away suddenly taking a nap, and, like, all the doctors could tell us, because there was no autopsy, because mm-hmm. he just died of, like, natural causes, and everybody was like, well, he probably died of a heart attack, but we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. And just, like, any piece of information... You know, my aunt has seen a psychic, and my dad came through to her, and then my dad came through to Lucy through Charles, saying pretty much the exact same things that he said to my aunt, who saw a psychic out in Massachusetts, like a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just like whether or not there's a giant like conspiratorial network of psychics that are like, oh yeah, this Jacobson girl's probably gonna ask a friend <laughs> to ask about her dead dad. Here's what you should say. Um, it definitely gave me a lot of, a lot of comfort and a lot of closure, even though I didn't go myself. Mm-hmm. I really liked, uh, when I asked Charles, cause I talked to Amanda like the day before I had this last reading with Charles and mm-hmm. she asked me to ask about her dad. And, um, so I asked Charles and, and he was like, okay, I said, I, I want to ask about my friend's dad who's passed. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, what's his name? And I said, his name is Mike. Mm-hmm. And and a second goes by and Charles goes, okay, but what did you call him? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I jokingly called him Mr. Jacobson just mm-hmm. because that was just a joke that I have with all my friends' parents. And mm-hmm. Charles was like, ah, oh, yep, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever called him Mr. Jacobson, like, except Lucy. No. It was either, like, Mike or Mr. J. Or yeah. Peg Leg Mike. Or Peg Leg, because he had one leg. <laughs> you called mm-hmm. him up to his face? No. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't. <laughs> he basically came up with it. He, he did. loved it. He thought it was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so, yeah, they can shed light on the unknown and relieve some stress for some people. Um, and if you find yourself maybe grappling with such anxieties and stressors, psychics are not the only solution for you. Mm-hmm. That you can true. also check out Talkspace, which is the easy, affordable, and convenient way to connect with a therapist in your area. Mm-hmm. Well, a therapist licensed in your area, but the best part about Talkspace yes, that's what I meant. is that it's online or via phone mm-hmm. or text or video message or all the other things the kids do these days. Mm-hmm. But you can text them at any time of the day. It's, it's amazing. amazing. The best. It's My therapist the best. has definitely challenged me over the last several months to open up to her about my dad and try to work through a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's been like tough, but also so rewarding. I think that I can't speak for everybody, but I think when you experience a sudden lost like that, you oftentimes go into sort of just like an automatic survival mode and you don't necessarily process it in that time. Process it. Yeah. In, in a way that 
is super healthy. I think for me, especially, I compartmentalize a lot. Like I remember when my dad died, I took a couple weeks off to go spend time with my family. And then I came home and I was like, okay, boss, I want to work every day. I don't want like any time to myself. Mm-hmm. I want to work all the time. And I did. I worked every single day and then I was never alone. Like I always had friends over mm-hmm. and, um, That was such a weird time for you, too, because your niece was born the next day. So it was like a happy, devastating, what the fuck am I feeling time. Yeah, Yeah. it was crazy. There are a lot of emotions that I never completely processed. And it's like now, four years later, Mm -hmm. I'm back in therapy and going through the actual healing process of losing my dad in a way that I didn't do when I was doing it by myself. Mm -hmm. So... I can't recommend it highly enough. I mean, if you try Talkspace and it doesn't work for you, please seek out therapy that does work for you. But Talkspace has been so wonderful it's really for me personally. For me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. It's just so convenient. It's just such a smart way to do it. And honestly, it's it's always a good time for therapy because uh-huh. it's always the right time to prioritize your mental health. And we get a lot of emails from listeners talking about mental health and, and then physical health issues that then impact their mental health. And, um, you know, we're always just really, really proud of people for prioritizing their mental health and talk space is one really great way to do that. So um, if you go to talkspace.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, uh, that will get you $30 off your first month of Talkspace. And it is much more affordable than in-person traditional therapy and also more convenient. So yeah. check it Love out. Love it. And like Wink, you don't have to leave your house. Yes, yeah. it's so great. I talked to my therapist from the bathtub, you guys. <laughs> it's really great. <laughs> like peak relaxation mode. <laughs> that is fucking self-care if I have ever heard of it. Yep. Yep. Therapy yep. from treat, your treat bathtub. Your brain. Talk space. Treat, treat your brain. Your brain. <laughs> uh, talk space. The bath bomb for those with mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, cut that. Okay, so <laughs> no, don't don't cut that. <laughs> Moving on to my case, which if you weren't already in need of talk space, you will be in need of it after my case because it is great. Can't wait. I'm already like highly emotional from the yeah. last five minutes of conversation. I'm really sorry. I know. It's okay. I know. It's okay. How are you? How are you feeling after that very emotional discussion? Are you good? I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. None good because I'm gonna destroy crying. you right now with my story. Yeah, my story oh my is God. really sad. It has nothing to do with. Well, never mind. Yes, it does. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no. Nothing to do with dead dads. Oh wait, it's all oh, about wait. dead dads. It does. I, I... <laughs> Oh, wait, it will destroy you. It's, it's backstory, but it's there. Fuck. Actually, oh, no. Shit, it's really bad and it's really insensitive. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. I don't care. Okay. All right. I'm drinking. Uh, guess who I'm you're drinking. dealing with. It's me. Okay. All right. Ready? Let's do yep. this. Ready. Yeah. So, <laughs> on February 20th, uh, which was... Uh, February 20th, 1961, which was George Washington's birthday slash President's Day slash I'm drunk. Um, What the fuck? A four-year-old Edith Kikorius vanished after playing in uh, in front of her uncle's apartment building in Manhattan's Chelsea neighborhood. Hmm. Okay? So it's 1961. 
At that time, Chelsea was not such a great neighborhood. It was mostly tenement buildings and like by the hour motels and mm-hmm. seediness. Um, of course, now it's like art galleries and froyo and spin classes, and like you can't afford to live there. But and the, the like tenement museum, which is amazing. Yeah. Yes, true. Um, but back then, it was a little bit seedy. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Edith's uncle had been watching the child play, uh, quote, skipping and hopping along the sidewalk. But shortly Mm -hmm. after 4 p.m., he went to buy a pack of cigarettes across the street. And when he returned just a few minutes later, Edith was gone. He left a four-year-old unattended on the street. It was 1961. But yes. Still mad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she was mad. Well, <laughs> she wasn't. Fine. I mean, obviously not, but she was <laughs> super not fine. Super not fine. Yeah, the opposite of fine. I'm, I'm assuming. If you retracting my casualness. <laughs> if you looked up the antonym of fine. Um, no, it was 1961, and he did go just like across the street for like two minutes, but still, yeah, she was four, so. Uh. Okay. She was immediately reported missing, and a massive uh, manhunt ensued, stretching from New York City to Massachusetts and even to Chicago, searching for the missing girl in the purple snowsuit. Mm. Okay. Mm. Edith had been a beautiful, blonde, hazel-eyed child um, who sometimes went by the nicknames Googie or Google. What? Founder of Google? Founder <laughs> of Google. That Edith Baby Girl was founder Steve of Jobs. Google. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? I saw that and was like, well, obviously I'm doing this case. Yeah. And that never comes <laughs> up again. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I was sucked in. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh my God. She was raised in Brooklyn by her mother, uh, who had become widowed when her husband died of pneumonia soon after little Edith was born. Oh, my God, this woman. Yes. What t- more tragedy could befall this poor woman? I know. We're about to find Let's out. Let's wait. <laughs> <and cry. laughs> Stay tuned. No, no, no. As far as I know, this, these were the two major tragedies of her life, but I don't know. Um, uh, fingers so crossed. Little Edith, her mother and grandmother, uh, had come to her uncle's apartment on 8th Ave and 18th Street to visit during the public holiday, because, again, it was George Washington's birthday slash President's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that actually tied into something, because that was an odd factoid to get. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that factoid is going to continue to tie in somehow. Well, it was National Pie Day. <laughs> no, it, only because it was like a long weekend and the family lived in oh. Brooklyn and then they came into Manhattan, which back in 1961 was more of a rare thing mm-hmm. to do, I guess. I f- so they forgot you assholes got President's Day off. Yeah. 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 Nobody else gets that off. Nope. Okay. With no leads to speak of, the police hit the pavement searching for the little girl. Uh, they went door to door throughout the neighborhood. Teams of police searched sewers. Um, helicopters scanned rooftops. In total, almost 400 officers were dedicated to the search uh, oh in God. that week after she went missing. Okay? Wow. So they 
I mean, they really took it seriously right away. And it definitely helps that she was like this adorable little girl. Yeah. Um, in a purple snowsuit. In a purple oh, baby. snowsuit. I know. Baby muffin. Baby muffin. Um, they even uh, dragged the bottom of the Hudson River to no avail. Um, so they really put a lot of resources on the case. Um, one police theory at the time was that a woman, possibly a barren woman, which I don't think you're allowed to say anymore, um, with... <laughs> I say that all the time. I do too. With crossed fingers. <laughs> with crossed fingers. Oh, no. Um, Hoping I'm barren. <laughs> That makes me feel bad. Um, with, uh, it's okay for women to not want children, Kenyon. Yeah, no, I know. Don't let some... society tell you that or we have to, to have kids. I'm soups on the fence, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> the more time I spend with my sister and nieces, hi Ashley, the more mm-hmm. on the fence I am about having mm-hmm. kids. The fence is cutting me in half. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. Of course, that's fine. And some of you should not have children. I'm looking at you, Lucy. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, barren is not a super feral. kind term, especially for folks who are trying to have kids yeah, who exactly. cannot conceive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we get that's, it. That's what I meant. Yeah. We <laughs> wish you the best. Should you be listening, we're sorry you're going through that. That sounds horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard both ways. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um so some woman with like frustrated maternal impulses or like a mentally deranged mother figure mm-hmm. uh, might have taken little Edith and so police searched records of mental hospitals for recently released women matching those profiles. I wonder but- why that was a prominent theory and not like in my opinion, the much more likely theory of a fucking pedophile man, mm-hmm. white mm-hmm. man, mm-hmm. abducting that child. Wait, mm-hmm. what year was this? 61. The 60s. I mean, okay. sure. So I watched a documentary about Johnny Gosh, mm-hmm. who disappeared from Des Moines mm-hmm. um, in the late 60s, 70s? I think mm-hmm. late 60s. Mm-hmm. Basically, nobody wanted to talk about the possibility of pedophiles or children being abducted for sex ring purposes. That's true. Mm -hmm. Like, that was not... People just did not want to talk about it, didn't want to admit that that was a possibility, or mostly didn't know. Like, that was just not on anyone's radar at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people didn't want to talk about it. And also, I feel like the early 60s... And, like, 50s women were just considered, like, hysterical for a number of reasons. And, like, medicated and committed and all this stuff. Just like, oh, you know, they're acting crazy. So I feel like it was definitely a a product of the time that that is where people's Mm -hmm. minds went to. It wasn't the only theory, but I thought it was... Sure, it was a prominent theory. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hashtag fucking patriarchy. Continue. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay, Mm. so... Edith's disappearance and her mother's apparent unbearable grief. So her mom tried to give, give like, one interview and, like, barely got a sentence out and then was just, like, consumed with grief and couldn't continue. Um, The poor thing. Yeah. uh, Sent shockwaves through the city and even the world. So her case made front-page headlines uh, that week. Mm -hmm. And then within uh, the first couple of days after her disappearance, randomly, the vice president of KLM Airlines, so just a Hmm. 
random wealthy member of the public decided to get involved. Okay. Um, so he just read about this case in the newspaper and was like, oh my God, this is tragic. Like, I want to help. Whatever. And so uh, this dude, Mr. Vogels, um, was aware of a renowned Dutch clairvoyant named Gerard Quaze. Don't know how you say that with a Dutch accent, so I'm saying it the French way. Um, who had assisted... <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Um, who had assisted with various police investigations throughout Europe and Australia. Okay. It should be noted that this guy had worked with police investigations with moderate success. So he was kind of hit or miss. Okay. But... <laughs> I feel like a lot that same thing could be said for a lot of psychics who work with police. Yeah. I, feel I mean, like, just for a lot of psychics in general. Like, it's yeah. not a, we know it's not a science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we talked about, a lot of their <clears throat> visions or perceptions are super vague or, mm-hmm. you know, might yeah. not have anything to do with the case. So, of course, that would be considered useless non-information by the police. Or I was looking through his record, and we don't have time to get into all of the cases that he worked on, because there were a lot of, like, high-profile ones, but a lot of them were just never solved. Yeah. So it's impossible to know whether or not... It's impossible to judge whether or not what he stated was uh, accurate or... If his contributions were useful or not, because they just never got to the end of the case. Right. Um... Okay, so, uh, side note about this clairvoyant, Quasé. Um, he looks like, um, oh my god, what's his name in The Princess Bride? The funny guy. The giant? No. Okay, there are so many <laughs> funny guys in The Princess Bride, this is like the most vague description you oh, could ever give Oh, the short, us. squat, bald guy who tries to poison him? The one that lives in the tree with his wife, Billy Crystal. He looks like Billy oh, Crystal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he looks just like Billy Crystal in *The Princess Bride*. Go look at photos on the drive. The the funny guy from this, *The Princess*. He has like an Einstein haircut. Yeah. Oh my lord! But he does look like Billy Crystal in from this fucking movie. *Little Mermaid*. Yeah, he looks like the seagull from *Little Mermaid*. Why too. did you upload a picture of Scuttle from *The Little Mermaid*? <laughs> because after Scuttle does his hair with the fork. <laughs> That was the first thing that left to my mind. It's a dingle hopper. <laughs> Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Yeah, after oh, Scuttle does his hair with right. the dingle hopper. Thank, thank you. you. Want a thing I'm a bob? I've got 20. I got, I got 20. But who cares? No big deal. No big deal. I, I want more. more. <laughs> and then we lost all of our listeners. Oh my god! Okay. He does look like Scuttle with the post dingle hopper. His you. nose is huge too. It's basically like a, a beak. beak. <laughs> he looks just like a combination of Scuttle and Billy Crystal in The Princess Bride. It's kind Maybe of amazing. His nose is you like are a divining rod. Hundred percent correct. Thank you. I feel very well validated. Well done. These There's visual aids are perfect. <laughs> There's the picture of Billy Crystal in the Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I uploaded it. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> he looks just like it. <laughs> I did. 
tickle. This oh is uncanny. God. Oh my god. <laughs> we'll put all of this on the blog, you guys. Don't worry. I'll put I'll put a side by side. Kind of like baby Lucy in that prog case. I'm crying. <laughs> We broke Amanda. Usually I'm the one that gets broken. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 So. It's so spot on. I know. Okay, so. I couldn't tell that that was Blood Crystal. I just thought it was another picture of the He's guy. peeking out through a small window I in a know. door. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you live. I don't fucking know how you live. <laughs> He's a dumb oh. psychic. We'll never know how he lived. There's no way to know. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> okay. So, Billy Crystal was well known as a, a magnetizer. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> a psychometrist. Oh, oh, a, I almost spit. Uh, <laughs> a parapsychologist. Um, he experimented with collective thought concentration on psychokinetics. So he basically had some experiment, and I couldn't get into all the details, but they, like, did a program on Dutch TV, and he asked, like, Dutch viewers, you know, like <laughs> thousands of Dutch viewers to like concentrate on moving this ball in real life, you know, from one part of the screen to another part of the screen or whatever. Can you please tell me that he <laughs> flew to the U.S. via O'Hare and road tripped <laughs> to New York City with an attractive blonde? <laughs> and they fell in love 30 years later and got married. <laughs> What she's having. <laughs> <laughs> he hated the wagon is, wheel coffee table. He hated the so stupid. <laughs> he loved to sing Siri with a fringe on top of karaoke. I love that movie so much. Oh my God, I'm definitely watching that as soon as we're done recording. Yup. Can we wrap this up? Because <laughs> we'll skip Amanda's case. <laughs> Harry met Sally in 4K HD to watch. Oh my god. Okay, so. <laughs> His name is Ira? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. No one is listening. Okay. Everyone has turned this off yeah. at this point. Quasé <laughs> was said to possess healing powers. He even treated some polio patients uh, by touch alone. Hmm. Um. Okay, so his reputation preceded him, and the VP of KLM Airlines calls him up, uh, gets him on the phone from the Netherlands, and then offers to fly him to New York to help the police. Via O'Hare. Yeah, via KLM. Um, (laughs) And Quasé declines the offer, uh, insisting that if he were to go to New York, he would be submerged by all sorts of impressions which would disturb him, which is kind of like what Charles was saying. Mm-hmm. about being in crowded places. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but Quasé did agree to help from afar, and so he asked for a map of New York and a photo of uh, missing Edith. And then, and so the VP was like, absolutely, I'll get that to you, you know, as soon as possible. And then um, while still on this initial phone call, 
he began to have a vision. And so he said, quote, yes, don't hang up, I'm beginning to see. Yes, it isn't in the center of the city. If you turn your back on the Statue of Liberty, it's in the left part of New York. I see a big building. Of course, that doesn't mean anything. There are many of them. But at the top of this building, I see an orange rectangular publicity board and a garage, a square, a park. I see a railway line, rails above the street. On the other side, there is garbage. Farther on, water. There's a river beside it. So at this point, he's basically just describing Manhattan, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the man who has taken the child is small, 54 or 55. He has a pointed face. He is wearing something gray. I see a gray house. The child is there. Ooh, Ooh that's creepy. Oh, it's spooky. I, have a, I got a chill from that. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so, of course, Chelsea... The neighborhood is on the west side of Manhattan, so on the left if you turn your back on the Statue of Liberty, which I under mm-hmm. I feel I feel for this man because that's how I give directions and people want to kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, you pass the McDonald's yeah. by my therapist's yeah. office. You know how many McDonald's <laughs> have been like just road signs for us over the course of our friendship. You know that nut store where we were at my golden birthday? Not the first Casey's in Iowa, the third Casey's. Then you take a left. (laughs) By the KFC Taco Bell combo. (laughs) Oh my god. Okay. Um, I'm so hungry. Obviously, (laughs) the Hudson River is, you know, not far. Um, Mm. There is an elevated railway line, uh, in that the neighborhood. High line. Yes. So the highline. It's line, so cool. It's super cool. So it was a disused railway line for many years, and there actually aren't that many elevated railway lines in New York. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a little bit specific. Although, again, this case had made front page headlines, so he could have read about all this. It's a little bit yeah. ambiguous. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the high. Now that disused railway line has become. Um, a really cool park called the High Line, and it's really awesome. Um, it's amazing, I love it. and they have so many places to get delicious shaved ice. Yeah, it's nice. Just saying. Okay, so anybody with an international newspaper and a map of Manhattan would have been able to identify many of these things, but not um, the latter part, right? About the specific building and the gray house and, and, and person yeah. and, and age of the person and whatever. Pointy um, face. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get any information about the orange billboard, so we're just going to have to take him at his word for that. Okay, but Quasay wasn't finished. So after being given a photo of little Edith, like the following day, and some of her clothes, so basically because KLM flies back and forth from New York to the Netherlands all the time, so they brought clothes of hers the very next day, and he was able oh, to How hold. did they? Oh, okay, well, they probably got it from the family. Yes. Not all of her clothes are going to be evidence, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, no, not evidence, but just her clothes, her belongings. Um, So then his visions grew more specific, and he said, What a mass of houses. It's enough to drive anyone mad. Ah, I'm close. Yes, I see a dark woman sitting in front of a window. Two houses farther on, there is laundry and a dry cleaners. I see this gray building again. There are five floors. On the second, I feel a strong emotion. The child is there. She is dead. Oh, God. <gasps> okay. So, Vogels, the VP, 
phones the police in New York, relays the information. Five hours later, the police receive a tip just a couple of blocks from where Edith had been abducted. Of course, the police had been overwhelmed with tips and might not have followed up on this one right away had it not matched the psychic's description so perfectly. Oh my God, what? In a cheap five-story rooming house on 20th Street, um, one that had already been initially searched by police but not thoroughly, so some of the rooms people weren't home and the police had to were planning to come back later. Um, a concerned boarder informed the landlady that one of the rooms had been locked for days. It was okay. suspicious, and the landlady phoned police as she and the boarder attempted to knock in the door. Let me just make something a little bit clear to the people listening. In these boarding houses, folks shared a lot of amenities, including the bathroom. Yeah. So, like, it would mm. be really fucking suspicious if you knew there was a tenant living in one of these spaces and they were locked in for days. Because they yes. would have nowhere to even go to the bathroom. People or share a water anything. pump. Yeah, 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 they couldn't get water. Like, they'd have their own kitchen and, like, a basin, but there's no running water in these tenement mm-hmm. apartments. Yeah. Mm. So, that doesn't sound that suspicious to, like, a modern-day apartment. But mm-hmm. in these times, that would have been really fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Good and this point. was this was like an especially dingy, shitty one. Mm-hmm. So I went to the Tenement Museum last summer, and it was fucking crazy. My mom and I went together, mm-hmm. and like if you're if you have a day in in Manhattan to go check that out, it's mm-hmm. super crazy. It's really I highly high recommend it. Yes, it's yeah. so good. But to see how these people lived, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so police arrive right away. So they take the tip really seriously because it matches this the the description mm-hmm. that they had gotten, you know, earlier that day. Um, they arrive. They gain access to the room. The first thing they see is a small child's purple snowsuit. No. Oh no, Edith. No. Oh. I'm not gonna go into all the details because it's really gruesome. Um. But little Edith was there. She was dead. She had been raped and brutally beaten. A four-year-old. Yes. Oh. What no. the fuck? Yes. Um, you need to just stop doing cases. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Kenya, you're, you're, out of the, you're off the podcast. You're 86. Voted <laughs> um, you out. <laughs> can I be your intern? <laughs> yeah, you can uh, be the intern, but I'm going to reject every case you research because it's going to have, like, a dead baby in it. It's fucking gruesome. <laughs> Um, I won't, I'm not going to say this next part because it's, I'm reading the room and it's not worth it. Okay, so. um, (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) um, Investigators quickly learned that a, quote, short, toothless, derelict, red-haired British man. Oh. That's a lot of bad strikes against you as a person. (laughs) <laughs> Being British is your only redeeming quality in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking woof. Wow. Yeah. Short, Woo. toothless, and derelict and redheaded. <laughs> Apologize it's to all derelict. the gingers out there. Derelict. <laughs> <laughs> so hot right now. What is this? A tenement for ants? <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> Actually, literally every tenement is a tenement brand. It's just so you know. <laughs> um, he, he had rented the room just a few days prior, and his name was Fred Thompson. Oh, um, boo! He was from England, but had abandoned his wife and children there 15 years earlier and moved to of New course. York. Um, since then, he had worked odd jobs, but given his raging alcoholism, most of these only lasted a few days before he would be drunk on the job and fired. He super Gem. fits the description of an out-of-control, barren woman who yeah. needed to steal a baby. Because <laughs> yeah. of his maternal women. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. I'm still so hung up on that. FBI like, profiling so was not a thing yet. Not a good thing, anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The alcoholism and lack of personal hygiene had affected him physically, hence toothless. Ish. Um, Ish. But but of course, um, (laughs) given the fact that dozens of cheap boarding houses uh, filled with similar rough-living men had littered the neighborhood, uh, this description didn't narrow things down too much. So they, uh-huh. they like did just like a police sketch and literally the landlady was like, uh, that's <laughs> like this whole neighborhood. <laughs> this is everyone I rent to. You're not helping me. That is amazing. <laughs> so they did the police sketch based on the landlord's description of this guy who'd rented the yeah. room? No. Yeah, yeah, Wait. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they don't have him yet. Because, yeah, they don't have him yet, and initially they didn't have any photos of him. So mm. they were trying to put together a sketch based on someone who, like, actually had had seen him, albeit kind of briefly. Um, mm. He's a short, toothless, derelict, dirty <laughs> Brit. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. He's a catch. Um, so. I only slept with him twice. Oh my god! <laughs> I have a twenty tooth minimum to ride this ride, <laughs> and I have had to enforce that in the past. <laughs> the men attracted to me are not always so great. <laughs> Dan how has many, all of his teeth. I was going to say, how many teeth, teeth does Dan have? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so the police <laughs> caught a break, however, when they discovered a photo ID card for one of Thompson's odd jobs as a nightclub bouncer. Um, so police, okay. Not yeah. going to that nightclub. Yeah. So I'm pretty would... sure he was like five foot six. I... Yeah, but he looks horrifying. Like, (laughs) no one's going to fuck with him. It's actually a really smart move on the part of the nightclub. Good hire. Well, you're driving away customers before you can pat them down. Yeah, but no riffraff. No riffraff is hitting in there. (laughs) Or women. Yeah, or women. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so... Police were able to match fingerprints from the ID card to beer cans strewn nearby Edith's body. Oh, my and God. more importantly, they publicized the photo from the ID card uh, widely. Mm. So practically every newspaper on the East Coast ran the photo and profile of Edith's killer, like, within hours, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
As soon as a short, red-haired, toothless British man calling himself <laughs> John Andrews turned mm. up at uh, the New Jersey chicken farm uh, looking to fill a vacancy that had been in the newspaper, farm owner Max Pesco knew that this was really the infamous Fred Thompson. Nice. Mm-hmm. He uh, pretended to hire Thompson and then uh, phoned police you know, before the man could leave. And then, uh, you know, the police came and apprehended him. So Fred was 58, not 55, as Quasé predicted, but I'm going to give it to him. so close. Yeah. Um, he did have somewhat of a pointed face. He had very pointy ears and nose, at mm-hmm. least. Um, and he Do you was, have a photo of this guy? Yeah, look on the drive. Beyond the blog, there's not many. All I see is Billy Crystal. I know. So many pictures of Oh, I see him. Is he kind of balding? Yeah, he's he's going bald and... That's a pointed face. I'll take that. Yeah. His pursed lips. His pointy ears, pointy nose, pointy eyebrows. Yeah. And his eyes are even like... Sharp. Sharp. He looks like Robert Durst. He He does. does. He does look a little bit like Robert Durst. Yeah. Dead also, eyes. Also, plaid on plaid? Come on, guy. Do mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he had bigger fish to fry. He had no teeth. Um, mm. <laughs> he also was He's wearing just distracting a... from his teeth. <laughs> With that outfit. The one thing you need to be pointy on your face. <laughs> you don't even have it. <laughs> <laughs> a pointy face, but not too pointy. Oh, God. Um, he was also wearing a gray shirt and gray jacket when he was apprehended <gasps> by police. No. Really? Yep. The psychic wow. said that. Yep. Yeah. So, Thompson admitted his guilt almost immediately, telling police that he had simply walked up to little Edith playing on the sidewalk with a smile and a kind voice saying, I have a little girl like you, but she's sick at home. Would you like to oh. come visit her? No. Oh, that's oh. horrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's the fucking Ick. worst. It's disgusting. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, he attacked her as soon as he brought her back to his rented room. He said he couldn't control himself. Oh, fuck um, you. And, and then killed her. Right after, and then um, went on an intense bender um, over the next few days uh, before sobering up and deciding to flee the city and lay low. Uh, In the cop car on the way back to Manhattan from the New Jersey chicken farm, uh, Thompson reportedly told the police inspector, it was the worst crime I had ever known, and I committed it. What a fucker. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about this before a little bit. If you're going to commit a crime like that, mm-hmm. then you've either likely committed it, committed something similar before or worked your way up to that or yeah. it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Like It's got to be. Who? Yes. I mean. Well, and mental illness is clearly playing a huge role in this situation because you don't oh, have compulsions yeah. like this without... You know, some sort of some untreated demons. Signs. 
Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not and just, just being an alcoholic, That I mean, plenty of no. people are alcoholics, that's not going to lead you to be a pedophile no. or a no. kidnapper. Yeah. No, no, there, there is no linear connection there without something in the middle. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And he had left his family in England, it sounded like, without a word, so who yeah. knows what went on in England? Right. Mm-hmm. And there could knows? have been some compulsion brewing there. Yeah. And, and who he knows fled what that. went on in the last 15 years in New York as he's bouncing from job to job every few days and going uh, on benders and living in, you know, dingy rented rooms. I mean, he basically was like, uh, what's, what's the word? Mm-hmm. An indigent. Like, he mm-hmm. just was all mm-hmm. over the place. You could barely track him. What a Ugh. fucking nightmare. So imagine, yeah. like, the psychic, if he operated the same way that Charles does, like, entering the right. mind and emotions of either the four-year-old child or mm-hmm. this man. Oh. It would be oh fucking horrifying. It would be unbearable. Horrifying. Yeah. I'm, like, getting super emotional just thinking about that. And I, I know, know I'm know. drunk, but, like... That's fucked up. It's yeah. really, it's really fucked up. Okay, I'm it makes you want to believe that it's not real because you don't want an innocent third party to mm-hmm. experience that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, that's so fucked up. Yeah. Um, well, let's bring it back up, guys. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, news of Thompson's capture spread quick, quickly, and within just a few hours, a veritable lynch mob, in quotes. Uh, comprised of hundreds of incensed community members had formed outside of the jail where Thompson was being kept, demanding the electric chair for Edith's killer. Yeah, sorry, I'd probably be part of that mob. Yeah. Like, if I'm just, you know, I took to the streets when Trump got elected, I would probably Mm -hmm. take to the streets over this, too. Yeah, they had signs. I want the electric chair for Trump, too, so sorry. (laughs) Oh, my God. Super unpopular opinion on this listener base, I know, but... I'd be right there. <laughs> the electric chair for money laundering and literally yep. no other crimes. Um, how about for, just a padded room? We'll start with a padded room. Yeah. Just take away Twitter. Um, <laughs> so Fred Soft Thompson uh, was tried and convicted with a mandatory death sentence, but somehow soon thereafter he was moved from prison to a state mental hospital and then rather I mean, than receive clearly... the electric chair... He was yeah. institutionalized for the rest of his life. I, you know, Probably okay. worse. I'm kind of on board with that because yeah. he clearly is mentally ill. Yeah, for sure. In like I'm, a borderline unrehabable way. I know that's not a word. Don't worry about it. <laughs> shh, shh. I'm um, in college. A state <laughs> mental hospital at that point. Like, oh, that would be worse, worse than, than a quick death. death. Yeah. Way worse than a quick death. Probably. I hope he had Nurse Ratchet. Um, we should talk to my mom, because <laughs> she used to work as, like, an orderly, basically, in a in a women's mental institution in in Massachusetts. And she has some Your crazy stories about that shit. Yeah, my mom's a fucking jobs. badass. Yeah. Zach's mom used to work in a in mental institutions, too, as a therapist. Mm-hmm. We we'll do a whole episode. Okay. Oh, oh my God. God. Oh, my God. So, uh, for years, this is a side note, almost done. For years, a wax museum on Coney Island dedicated to true crime, which, oh my God, bring this back. Yeah. What? We 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 want this. We want the true crime wax museum on Coney. 
Our we wax should figures reopen. will be horrifying. Let's do it. Why are going to make them Coney Island Wax Museum? I would be so We happy. should be diversifying our business portfolio <laughs> and buying property. Everyone will have so. like buttons for eyes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start Sharpie looking into mouths. this. As our financial person, I'm going to look and see what we've got in the budget. My, my wax figure would be at least six sizes smaller than my actual figure. It would be unrecognizable. Do, do you think a realtor would accept free wine and an ad trade? <laughs> an ad trade. Oh my God. Oh my okay. God. This is a goal for 2018. Okay, so this wax museum, which sounds like heaven on earth, uh, featured a wax <laughs> display of Thompson sitting forlornly in a dingy boarding house room staring into space. Oh! Oh, 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 oh my oh. fucking Gross. God. Yeah. Uh, for, I want to <laughs> go to this wax museum so bad. It's devastating that it's closed. Okay. We're bringing it um, back. Psychic detective Quasé would go on to work on a number of other high-level disappearance and murder cases with mixed success. And mm -hmm. then his son, Gerard Quasé Jr., followed in his father's footsteps, also becoming a psychic detective, also with mixed success. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty common, the mixed success. Yeah. I have a lot of that in my story. Yeah. yeah. So that, honestly, if there's... If there's oh. one success, it's fine. It's worth it. It's good yeah. enough. It's good enough for this yeah. podcast. Kenyon, that was amazing. We've got a low bar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was horrifying, and yep. I got so many chills. Yep. Yep. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Did you guys know you spend one third of your life sleeping, but I feel half. like it's more like half. <laughs> Two thirds of your life sleeping. You should be comfortable during that huge amount of time. Mm -hmm. And a big part of my comfort is a breathable design that helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night if you're like me and you share a bed with a human furnace man. <laughs> Heard that. The experts at Casper work tirelessly, ironically. <laughs> That's jokes. That's jokes. To make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Oh my word. Oh, Casper products. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. All the right support in all the right places. It's all about <laughs> sleep. About sleep. Casper mattress is all about sleep. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh my God, don't sue us. Casper also <laughs> provides free shipping and returns to the U.S. and our friendly neighbor to the North Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. That sounds so good right now. Yep. I'm so hungry and so tired all the time. <laughs> I want to sleep for 100 nights. Yes. <laughs> um, so use promo code GALS at checkout to get $50 off uh, select mattresses. Again, visit casper.com forward slash GALS and use promo code GALS at checkout. And remember, terms and conditions apply. Okay. <laughs> so 
I'm going to be talking about Dorothy Allison, who is a ridiculously active psychic investigator. And I'm going to be doing this a little bit differently, focusing more on Dorothy and her career and a few of the cases she covered instead of one detailed case. Sweet. Okay. Cool. So Dorothy, who is like my new favorite person ever, she was born on December 29th, 1924 in Jersey City, New Jersey. (gasps) Jersey City! Yeah, and she lived in New Jersey all of her life because she's a boss bitch and she knows the value of growing up Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't grow up too Jersey, but I grew up pretty Jersey, so I just feel for her. A show on MTV? No, but it will be soon. Growing up Jersey. Growing up Jersey. Oh my god. Uh, Let's I think it's called Toddlers and Tiaras, honestly. Oh right, right, right. Dance moms. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I love that show. Okay, okay, okay. Back to back to reality. Um, Dorothy's abilities first presented when she was 14. So again, like another young child having these visions. Um, apparently, she predicted the death of her own father, who was a completely healthy man with no pre-existing conditions. And she predicted that he would suddenly fall ill and die. Oh. And shortly after her dark premonition, her father caught pneumonia and passed away. Oh, like within no, no, weeks no. of her being like, something's going to happen to dad. It happened. Uh, uh, Dorothy took this personally as a sign that she was a seer, and her mother was apparently also a seer, and cautioned Dorothy, warning her that her visions were a gift, and she needed to be careful about how she used them. Mm-hmm. Specifically lining up, like, be careful about parlaying them into some kind of, like, financial gain, because it's sort of like the rule of three, whatever you put out comes back to you, and blah, blah, blah. Um... That's not really relevant to the story. I just thought it was interesting that it's recorded that, like, her mom had that conversation with her, and then she became a fucking, like, psychic detective and Mm -hmm. totally made a career out of it, and all of her money came from her being a psychic detective. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Never. My mom said, uh, just don't get a facial piercing and, uh, what was it? What else is it? And don't get a tattoo. And I did both when I was 18. Yeah, hi, sorry. Done and done. Yeah. I was going to um, say, those were not your mother's only rules no, about your life. we've broken a lot of your mom's <laughs> rules. Mixed and success. we're fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mixed success. Exactly. Your mom had a new book of rules for us every day. Mm-hmm. It's called mm-hmm. a binder, and yes, she did. <laughs> um, so Dorothy's abilities put her on the map as a psychic detective in 1967 when she assisted police in solving the disappearance of a little Polish boy in Nutley, New Jersey. Nutley. Nutley. So on December 3rd, 1967, the little boy was playing with his brother along a Jersey riverbank and disappeared. Dorothy told the Nutley police that she had dreamed of a blonde, blue-eyed boy in a green snowsuit with his shoes on the wrong feet, drowned in a pond, and his body stuck in a drain pipe. A month later, a missing boy whose description had not been publicized was found in a drain pipe, and his shoes were on the wrong feet. Oh, my God. That's so, crazy. Yeah, she Jesus gave the following Christ. clues. So in her initial vision of the little boy, which was reportedly, um, she she had this vision like two hours before the child drowned in the river, according to the timeline, but she could have added that after the fact, like, who knows. But she gave the clues that he was in a pipe, that his hands were clasped together, that he's wearing a green snowsuit with a polo shirt with stripes underneath and an undershirt beneath that with a metal pin on it and his shoes were on the wrong feet. That's it. She said all on the wrong That's more specific um, than I could be about what I'm currently wearing if wearing, I just yeah. close my eyes. That's what I'm saying. So these she, details that you're listing that she gave, they were 
proven to be accurate yeah, of the they body? Yeah, were, they were confirmed when the body was oh found. Oh my god, that um, is Additional crazy. psychic information that came through um, during the police investigation through her was relayed and documented um, prior to him being discovered. So she said that the number 120 was significant, that the number 8 was significant, that he'd be found behind a school, um, that a parking lot behind an ITT factory was significant, that lumber was significant, that gold lettering on a window was significant, and that he'd be found on February 7th. Well. Okay. Oh, my God. So he was found in the river, and, like, some reports say he was floating in the river. Some say he was in the drain pipe, but there had been pipes running up and down this river, um, one of which, unchecked, may have released him as the snow began to thaw. So it's, like, it's hard to—this case wasn't super well reported on because it was the 60s. Mm-hmm. So, like, some say that he was found in the pipe. Some say that he was found near the pipe, but it doesn't matter. He was mm-hmm. found on February 7th, which she said, Holy at approximately 1.20 in the afternoon, oh. which she said the number 120. Oh, my God. Yep. Was he eight years old? No, but an elementary school PS8 <gasps> stands at the riverbank nearby. Oh, So that's the significance God. of the number eight and that he'd be found behind a school. Oh, Across the weird. street from there is a lumber yard, which she said would be significant. And next door to the lumber yard is the office building for the lumber yard with gold letters on the window. So that's the significance of the gold lettering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Across the river from where he was found is the local ITT factory and its parking lot. So she said there would be a parking lot behind an ITT factory. ITT? And the boy, What's ITT? I have no idea. And okay. I didn't look it up. And I'm too drunk to care right now. Okay. Um, yeah, who cares? The boy, when he was found, had literally all of the exact same clothing I that she can't. had seen him in. Every oh single, Holy like, the shit. snowsuit is the same, the fucking, the polo shirt is the same, and at first they saw his boots that were on the right feet, but galoshes were really popular in the 60s, so you they were basically like a rubber shoe that you would put on over your regular shoes. Mm-hmm. They took the, galo- the galoshes off. His undershoes, like his little sneakers, were on the wrong feet. Oh, my God. All right, this bitch How- is either actually psychic, the real deal, yeah. or a fucking monster serial killer. How fucking yeah, or crazy is that? <laughs> mm-hmm. How old was she... How old was she when this happened? Uh, I'd say, like, in her 20s, 30s. Oh, she okay. was born she in 1924. Like okay. No, mm-hmm. she was she was in her like young. 20s. She was our age, basically. Okay. Um. Yeah. Oh, that's so insane. The next story that she helped with in 1976, Dorothy assisted with the disappearance of a 14-year-old girl. The investigation was going terribly, and like we talked about the, before, the parents were like, "Fuck this, we're going to a psychic," mm-hmm. and they had heard about her or read about her somewhere. They found her and they reached out to her and she asked the parents what the significance of the number 2562 meant Mm -hmm. and it turned out that it was their daughter's birthday February Mm -hmm. 2, 5th 5, 1962 62. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yep. She asked what 408 or 405 meant. She said it could be either one that she was getting a mixed you know, mm-hmm. reading. 4.05 a.m. was the time their daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Ooh. 
She got a vision that the daughter had been strangled by her boyfriend and gave his name, but this was not in, like, any public report that I could find, like, the name of the guy. Mm -hmm. Um, She said that the daughter would be found at a place with the words M-A-R written in big red letters. She said that she is in water, but that she didn't drown. She entered the water after the fact. Harmar Superstar. She was killed. Yep, yep. She mentioned the smell. Harmar Superstar. Gotcha. Don't worry about it. She mentioned the smell of oil and the number 222. She saw an abandoned. Yeah, numbers are big for her. She very much like paints a scene. I don't know what vision that would align with, but like she finds like the scene. Mm-hmm. Where these people mm-hmm. can be found. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw an abandoned car. She saw two sets of dual church steeples. Mm. She saw dual smokestacks. And she saw marshes and swamps. Mm. Ew. So like after. A creepy area. Yeah, it sounds really creepy. After the police were just really uncooperative, the father of the missing girl kind of took it upon himself to look for her using Dorothy's clues. He came to a marshed and swamped area in another town, and he saw two sets of dual church steeples and dual smokestacks in that area. He decided mm-hmm. to check it out. Um, he found a rock with the words M-A-R written in le- red lettering in that area. <gasps> On a rock? Why? On a rock. I don't know. He found an abandoned car nearby in the area, but, like, you know, you never know. Yeah. He never found himself, like, he never found her on his search, mm-hmm. but years later... Teenagers found her body in the exact same area, only 100 yards from that rock with <gasps> MAR written on it. No. Almost two years later, they found her. Her father was right there. Yep. yep. With all of the above clues that Dorothy had given, clearly visible with an eyesight from the placement of her body. Oh, no. The body was found in a water hole, placed in an oil drum, and the serial (gasps) number on the oil drum was 222. No. Oh, my God. And the boyfriend, it turns out, had killed her. He was arrested and charged with her murder. He'd strangled her, put her in the oil drum, and placed her body in the water hole. Where are people getting all these fucking oil drums? I mean, it's the 60s. (laughs) I don't fucking know. It's before EPA regulation. Right. Right. Isn't that fucking crazy, though? The most insane. It's so crazy. So she was consulted during a few other notable cases that we've talked about before. Um, Son of Sam. Yeah. She drew an accurate portrait of the killer that looked a lot like a a black lab. Yeah. A lot like a dog. <laughs> um, she also correctly predicted that he would be caught because of a parking ticket. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. my God. She assisted with Patty Hearst. Nice. She gave precise details of the locations in Pennsylvania and New York where she was being held captive. And she correctly predicted that she would bond with her kidnappers and assist them in a bank robbery. What? Wow. Yeah. This wow. woman's incredible. Yeah. Pay her all the money. I know. Is she and still then, alive? Are you no, listening? Well, wait. We'll get there. We'll send you a shirt. Um, <laughs> she also assisted with the John Benet Ramsey case. This was a little interesting because Burke Dorothy. Well, Dorothy immediately said that John and Pat Ramsey were innocent; that they didn't do it. And then she drew a sketch of the person that she quote saw as the killer of John Benet Ramsey, and it looked exactly like uh, current, like the most recent suspect, John Carr. If you go to the drive, you can see I put a picture of the sketch. But Next John to a picture Carr, of John Carr. 
he was he proved innocent. Yeah. He was proved innocent, but it's interesting that she got a flash that, like, evidence would lead to him. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. some people see it as a mis... Uh, what, what did I write here? Mm-hmm. Um, misdirected hit. Well, he was but, expending a shit ton of energy thinking about the case, so maybe... Yeah, and he was arrested yeah. as a suspect, and she did this... She, she drew this years before, like, right after the case, and then he was apprehended in 1998, years Mm -hmm. later, and the sketch she drew looked like him in 1998. You know, like, these visions are subjective. Like, maybe she just saw a flash of someone who was going to be arrested for this, even if he wasn't guilty. Or you just, like, felt the vibrations of somebody connected with it strongly, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he was arrested, although he was concluded not to be the killer, but this... You know, it's still creepy that mm-hmm. she drew that picture. Was it um, conclusive, like, 100% he did not kill her? I mean, he was I released feel like, I feel like he wasn't even the in the country when it happened or mm-hmm. something crazy like that. Yeah. He had an alibi. Like he had, like, a strong alibi. Okay. Yeah. Well, he, um, he pretended to have done it, and then it was proven up. that he didn't do it. She's been featured on several episodes of Unsolved Mysteries, and if you go to the drive, you can see some amazing pictures of her. There's a picture of her uh, that just says Dorothy Allison, psychic, and that's her on Unsolved Mysteries, and her glasses are Kenyon's exact same glasses from childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and her she hair is just like a perfect like dome. The, this house is, is clay. Yeah, Zelda. Oh my god, um, wait, I have to see. But you can oh, see some pictures yep, of her. I had those glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see her pictures of her like doing a reading in the 70s like across sitting across from this cool lady with a jerry curl mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she was awesome her adjusting <laughs> her glasses cool lady with a jerry curl and then there mm-hmm. is she did write um a book about her experiences called dorothy allison a psychic story and i super want to read it so i'm gonna find it on amazon yeah yes um, i'm borrowing it when you're done yeah mm-hmm. i'll get it and then we'll share it um, but yeah, she was like, she, this was her career. She was very active doing this for years. And then in true boss bitch fashion, she predicted her own death. Whoa. Oh. Yeah. So in 1990, Dorothy advised her family that she was going to die shortly before her 75th birthday of heart disease. Okay. She passed away in December, 1999 from heart disease, one month shy of her 75th birthday. Oh, my what God. What Yeah. <laughs> Think about yeah. everything she probably knew and just didn't say. Right? Shit, like, man. Wow. In my research about this woman, it's been... I didn't include a lot of the, like, missed mm-hmm. predictions that she made because I felt like they were stupid and kind of <laughs> unnecessary. I mean, the stuff she missed was, like, so trivial and dumb that it's, like, that shouldn't devalue the shit that she nailed Got on right. the head in all of these fucking situations that were so accurate. It's just, like, yeah. it blew my things, mind reading about her. These things aren't, like, 50-50. It's not, like, half no. the time she was right when she predicted the person was dead and half the time mm-hmm. she was wrong when she predicted the person was alive, you know, where it's, like, mm-hmm. one of two options. It's, like, his shoes are going to be on the wrong feet. Yeah. There's I a rock you. with yeah. MAR on it. Like You're in what? an oil were- drum with the number 222 drawn on it. Yeah, that's like, not, like, an either-or 50, 50% chance prediction. 
Yeah, and no. there were probably a lot of clues or visions that she got that were completely missed by anybody else. You yeah, know, like yeah. there's yeah. a grasshopper next to her head, or no, you know, I yeah. love it's her. Like, I totally believe in her. She's amazing. Nothing can convince me otherwise. So yeah. just don't even bother writing those emails to us. Thank you. Bye. Buying yeah. her book. Thank you. Good night. Yep. Yeah. If anybody wants so, yeah. to send us three free copies of her book from Amazon, <laughs> we would. That's acceptable. <laughs> if anybody wants to argue that she's not real, that's not acceptable. Just to be very yeah. clear about our expectations. <laughs> yeah. Well, that so, yeah, was that's my story. That's Dorothy amazing. Allison. Yeah. Isn't she incredible? I love her so much. I'm naming I my first her. child Dorothy, male or female. Same. Or, or neither. <laughs> Yep. Dorother. Dorother. If it's a boy. Dorother. Dorothy. <laughs> get it? Yep. Dorothy. I get it. I love Dorothy. it. Dorothy. Okay. So. Guys, we're so woke. <laughs> I'm not making fun. I'm not making fun. I mean, I'm making fun, but not in a malicious way. Okay. So. Special thanks this week. Woo! I'm going to do the first one. It is yeah, to right. Gina Myers. Thank you. It's Gina. Just pronounce I only said that, no offense, Gina Myers, because it is my favorite line in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Sorry about it. It's okay. Gina. All right. Uh, all right. Amanda Hopkins. Woo, yes. Woo, woo, thank love you. your name. Um, Jamie Treble. And a fun fact, my first tattoo ever was a treble clef that I begged my mom to take me to get when I was 16. And now it looks like an irregular mole. <laughs> <laughs> they have rules in place for a reason. Yeah, well... Okay, I my tattoo is in a place where like literally everyone was like, "What about when you get pregnant?" Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, "Well, whatever. It's gonna look like Lyndon B. Johnson. I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> and now it looks like Gerald Ford, and you're fine with it. <laughs> to be clear, it started as a crescent moon, and now yeah. it looks like Lyndon B. Johnson and Gerald Ford. So I that is a really pregnant yet. That is but a really bleak picture. He looks like pointy face Fred Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Thompson's Put the wax ears figure of him on my hip. <laughs> and heat. blue and bright Love blue. It. Okay. You um, mean gray? Shout okay. out to <laughs> Shout out to Alexandra, mystery woman. Ooh. Yes. Or man or neither. Yep. <laughs> or both. Jennifer Jennifer Edwards, thank woo. you. Stephanie Mangan, thank you. Yeah. You're banging, oh, yeah. Stephanie Mangan. Banging. Is it my turn? Yeah. yeah. Rhiannon Garrett. Rhiannon. Rhiannon. Uh, <laughs> we're the first people to have ever done that to her, I bet. I love that name <laughs> and love that song, and you're a goddamn queen. Um, and you'll be getting a goddamn fucking patriarchy wine glass for donating at $10 a month. Thank you so much. You sure will. Oh, Lizzie, you're so lucky you get the same. Dolores DiMartini. God bless. You can drink a martini out of your fucking patriarchy wine glass. Uh, But it won't stay cold for very long because it's a plastic glass. Sorry about it. Kate Hannah, you're also getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass because you're donating it $10 a month and we love you. Yes, yes. Uh, and <laughs> Ina D, or maybe it's pronounced Ina. It's um, Jana. <laughs> Ina D. Ina D. 
We love you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Brandy Edwards, you are a fucking saint because you increased your pledge from $1 a month to $10 a month, and you too will be getting a fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Candy Emmons, for increasing your donation from $5 a month to $10 a month. And oh my lord. Keep your eyes on the mail for mm. your fucking patriarchy wine glass. And same <laughs> no. to a Courtney Benjamin, who created her own damn tier level because fuck the patriarchy and yep. fuck rules. And she is donating at $15 a month. So, so we're going to have to find a creative gift <laughs> to give you because we currently did not expect that tier. <laughs> And just find something in my office. Yeah. Just include it. Lucy's just gonna send you an FP wine glass and some shit from her house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cat hair, a clump of cat hair. Yeah. (laughs) Just decluttering some used batteries. (laughs) Oh my god, do it. They might be charged. I'll never know. We'll never know. They're just in a pile. All right, thank you all so much. And just garbage from Lucy's house. Please send me a note if you truly do want trash from my house because there's a lot. She's got a lot to give away. I have a lot of random shit that I just love to give away. Actually, this should be a new thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I seriously do need to declutter. And if you give fifteen dollars a month, you get the empty wine glass and a random discarded treat. From any one of our houses, but really only Lucy's or mine because Kenya lives in South Africa and nothing will yeah. make it to the States. Yeah. But seriously, just some it might random be of some something. value. It won't, it won't be perishable. We can promise no. you that. It might be and an already it, scratched off lottery game. Yeah. It'll be <laughs> that you have to travel to Iowa to cash yeah. in. It to might redeem. be canned goods <laughs> that are expired. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the garbage in my house that I need to get rid of. It might be a half-burned votive candle. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. A worn-out cat brush. It could be anything. (laughs) But email us if you have allergies that we should avoid. We're super doing this. This is a new thing. Thank you, Courtney Benjamin, for creating... The new $15 tier for Patreon. It's my favorite tier all of a sudden. It's for sure my new favorite tier. All I'm right. going to send you the rest of my toast I haven't eaten yet. No, <laughs> not perishable. You can send the knife, I mean, the butter knife. It'll just Do be it. breadcrumbs by the time it gets to you. Not perished. They can make croutons. Obviously, we need to thank our amazing sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company that's making it affordable and easy and convenient for you to get connected with a licensed therapist in your area. If you head to Talkspace.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, you can get 30 bucks off your first month. We highly recommend you give it a try. All right. We love you. We love you all so much. (laughs) See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. 
Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Hi, I'm Noelle Heil, the host and creator of Heil on Life, the podcast where I talk one-on-one with people who inspire me. My guests come from all walks of life, different jobs and careers, and they all have different motivations that have helped them throughout their lives. I find their stories fascinating and hope that you will too. To learn more, find me on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, Tumblr, and Libsyn. And remember, we may have similar stories, but our journeys are all our own.